Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. And we've certainly woken up. That is the theme to the FIFA Women's World Cup. And as I said, we've woken up to what is become just an incredible tournament and the eruption of national pride as the Matildas take on uh, all of us on an exhilarating ride in this uh, World Cup. It's captivated the country in a manner arguably never seen before. Now, you need to ask yourself... Has there been a moment involving an Australian team, and that includes our wildly successful cricket sides, that got anywhere near the fervour associated with the Matildas? And we can relate back to an Ashes series possibly here in Australia. What the Matildas have achieved in the Socceroos a year earlier in reaching the round of 16 at their 2022 World Cup begs the question, is football or soccer to some now our national sport. Has it replaced cricket? No other national team in Australian sport can attract hundreds of thousands of fans to live sites all around the country like the Matildas or the Socceroos. Maybe Cathy Freeman's night of nights in 2000 at the Sydney Olympics when she carried her nation to victory in the women's 400 metres was the one. Or Cadell Evans beating the might of Europe and South America to claim our first tour to France. But as far as a team sport is concerned, has football, or as we know, certainly to many, soccer become our national sport? It just needed the Matildas to show where the groundswell of support is. And it's no question, it's with the round ball game. We saw it with the Socceroos. And we've seen it now with the Matildas. So I'd like to hear from you whether what I've just mentioned is maybe correct now, as we've all witnessed something that we never thought we'd experienced before. The Temper of Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Or you can give us a call, 13 12 55. Of course, we're here for Kia, the official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 
and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. And I'm going to focus a bit on the Women's World Cup because it's the eve of a World Cup semi-final, a chance for Australia to be at a World Cup final. When years ago, in the four-year cycle, every country in the world partook in a qualification period. And now we're down to the last four nations on the global game. And Australia's one of those. And Australia could win, if they do beat England tomorrow night, could get into the last two. So I'd like to hear from you. How are you going to watch this game tomorrow night? Gets underway at 6 o'clock Perth time. Many will be stuck in traffic, so you'll be listening on the SEN network because the SEN network will be broadcasting it. And we'll be going there about 10 to 6 tomorrow night to get the national anthems and get all the uh, starting lineups with the uh, first whistle blown and the kickoff at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. But how will you hopefully celebrate a moment where Australia will be uh, partaking in a FIFA World Cup, a Women's World Cup? Get on the temper of bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. At the moment, uh, the second half has just got underway in the first of the two semifinals. It's Spain taking on Sweden. It's just kicked off in the second half, and it's nil all. Here are just some of the short highlights of what happened in the first half in the first of the semifinals. Here's a chance there. Caldente floating it to the back post. Alba Redondo across the face of goal. Illustrate knocks her totally away. And now it is off the left peg of Natalie Bjorn. Spain first to show in an attacking sense. Spain again pressing. Hermoso. This is Olga Carmona. Goodness me. That looked close. Spain claiming a deflection and a corner. Carmona's not really done the job of getting the ball away. And Rolfa forces a save out of Katakoi. Sweden's first big chance and the young Spanish goalkeeper was equal to it Carmona but uh, there is no further time uh, half time here in Auckland we are no closer to knowing who will win through to Sunday's final in Sydney at the break it's Spain nil, Sweden nil. so that's where it stands at the moment we'll keep you up to date with that as we progress through the second half uh, the other thing is Dave Warner uh, the uh, opening batsman for Australia has got on Twitter and said he's really stirred the pot. He says, an early good luck to at the Matildas hashtag. Uh, he posted this on Twitter. He said, just keep an eye out in case the Poms ask to change the ball. That's from uh, Dave Warner. Ange Postacoglu, he is the Tottenham uh, manager now, says, I'm glad I'm here in London. I'll be able to rub it in uh, a few noses if the girls get up which I'm sure they will. And Socceroos legend Tim Cale has stated, who believes Australia poised to lift the World Cup? I certainly am. Uh, give us your thoughts. Can we go all the way? Uh, get whatever feedback you want. Uh, deliver it on the temperate bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. One of the interesting aspects of the FIFA Women's World Cup is Mary Fowler, who's the 20-year-old. And would you believe today, I thought, what sort of angle should I take? Uh, with this, and i always looking at a different angle. So I was trying for a good couple of hours, trying to get somebody with a business in Papua New Guinea. 
because Mary Fowler, the 20-year-old, number 11 for the Matildas, her origins are from a, a little village outside Port Moresby, Kira Kira. So I was really keen, and I just couldn't nab anybody, actually. Um, I think they may have a siesta, possibly what the Europeans do in the afternoon, because a lot of the business phones just rang out, and maybe they've all taken a public holiday up there, getting ready for the, the big event tomorrow. But Mary Fowler has been just an excitement package. At 20 years of age, she plays for Manchester City. She is just a phenomenal talent. But one of the things that's going to be interesting... Will young girls, when they start playing soccer, will they be wearing maybe gloves like Mary Fowler? Certainly parades, regardless of the conditions. It's no doubt a good luck charm for her or part of her superstition. But this is why she wears the gloves. See, I've got a feeling, I think, mm -hmm. it's because you really deep down want to be a goalkeeper. Oh, <laughs> of course you think that. <laughs> um, no. I mean, I haven't told anyone yet what it was, but... It's a, it's a bit silly, but I, I honestly just wear gloves because I get really fidgety. So usually I train with a ring on, but if it's cold, I wear gloves and I can't wear a ring in a match. So I usually wear gloves. And that's just because you want to fiddle with I just, your... yeah, I just move them around a lot. So, yeah. So there you go. That was Mary Fowler on why she wears gloves. Uh, of course, Matilda's midfielder, Tamika Yallop. Uh, also spoke to the media today, and this is what she said on handling the public expectation that will yeah, come are... tomorrow night. Yeah, I think there are, there are times that we definitely allow it in and, and want to feel the same experience that everyone else does. Um, and then there are other times that we do sort of look back just into our circle and, and refocus. We kind of know what to listen to and what not to listen to now and um, the support that we've felt around us from everyone has been absolutely amazing and, and something that we, we definitely welcome. Um, but we do have a really nice sort of tight environment where we can sort of switch that out and, and focus. Uh, Nick Catalano, he's listening to the program. Uh, of course, Catalano Seafoods, if you're in the market for any seafood, there's only one place to go. That's Catalano Seafoods. Uh, very proud family they are. He goes, Pietro, so far the greatest win has been Bondi's 1983 America's Cup victory. Uh, as we know, the 40th anniversary of that happens next month and already things are in place uh, to uh, pay tribute to that incredible moment uh, 40 years ago. And it transformed Fremantle, didn't it, to what it was, to where it is now, a very much a multicultural hub, uh, very much a place where people love to go out and maybe have a coffee and maybe a drink, and as we know, a lot of sporting heritage down there in Fremantle. The Maritime Museum was certainly developed on the back end of the America's Cup. So, uh, how do you rate uh, the greatest moment in Australian sport? I'm talking about team sport, but as far as an individual thing, even though you can say there's no question that the team on board Australia 2 were a team. They were a team and they worked with each other to bring uh, the America's Cup back to Australia in 1983. Unfortunately, it only lasted four years. And, of course, in 1987, off the waters of Fremantle, they headed back to the States. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. One of the uh, big uh, breaking stories of the day for Cobram Estate, Premier Australian extra virgin olive oil, is the retirement of Jack Revolt. As we know, he's decided to hang up his boots. And let's just hear when he made the decision that this was going to be his final season. 
Um, look, it's probably been bubbling away for, for most of the year. Um, myself and Trent had a conversation at the start of the year about really enjoying every moment this year, every sort of last, I suppose. Um, but, I mean, there, there is a time where, I mean, you, you never really wanted to admit it, that maybe it, it is over. Because um, there's always, a, I suppose, an element of, of the what-ifs. But for me, um, I've really enjoyed those, those last moments, whether they be the, 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 the last time we played Marvel. Actually, not really. I can burn that joint down, but... Um, <laughs> No, in all seriousness. But, it, like, last last trips away, um, the last time you go out for dinner on a trip away together, um, made a really conscious effort to even run out with Trent and, and Duz, who have been here um, for the majority of my career and have those memories together as well. So um, I don't think it'll, it won't sink in for, for a little bit here. Saturday will be an amazing occasion, not only for myself and Trent, but for for people that have been involved in our lives, whether they've been um, directly involved or indirectly through supporting the Tigers. So there you go. That was Jack Revolt, uh, a terrific career, as we know. And, uh, you know, with T Trent Conchard and going out, uh, they've lost a couple of great old stages, just like the West Coast Eagles, who, as we know, have uh, lost three in recent weeks with uh, Shannon Bungahern. Luke Shuey, the skipper, and yesterday, Nick Natanui. And uh, we wish Jack Revolt all the best. 34 years of age and played uh, football from a very young age. In fact, he made his debut in 2007, 347 games, 786 goals, three-time AFL Premiership players. We know when the Tigers were on that roll. 17, 19 and 20, 20, three-time All-Australian, three-time Coleman medalist and also the two-time Ian Stewart medal winner for the fairest and best at the proud Richmond Football Club. So a happy retirement to Jack Revolt. You've given so much, particularly to the Tiger supporters, over what's been a stellar career. One thing that I found very interesting because we're sort of merging uh, some of the big AFL stories into what's happening with the Matildas. Now, Stephen May was playing for Melbourne against Carlton and the Matildas were on that last Saturday night. The game actually ran in unison with the match here at Optus Stadium, the derby, the flat derby between the Eagles and the Dockers. Uh, and because of the two-hour time difference, uh, the game got underway there uh, between Carlton and Melbourne. This is what he said, Stephen May, the fullback for the Melbourne Football Club, on playing while the Matildas were on. How did you find it playing when... Really, the vast majority of the crowd for a time were distracted with something else. And, and when did you find out the, the result? I'm telling you now, so Charlie and I were in the goal square and um, we heard like a big big sort of cheer and then a bit of a murmur and we're like, oh, they, they must have scored. You know, <laughs> we started talking about the Matildas and like, what's going on? And then we heard another cheer and I was like, oh, they must be in penalties or something. I can't work out what's happening. And then it got to quarter time and, and thankfully during quarter time is when all the big cheers came because that's, I think, when they might have sealed the match. But yeah, it was it was an awkward sort of one because our game there was no scoring going on. Yeah, you know, there was all these stoppages, so you could just sort of hear a bit what was going on in the crowd, and then yeah, you could hear them celebrating and then groaning when obviously France scored. So um, it was a weird experience. Yeah, there you go, Stephen May. And, of course, they didn't have it on the big screen, so the cheering was coming from the concourse and all the suites around the MCG, and that's what they could hear because as soon as the ball 
uh, was bounced. Uh, of course, it focused on the AFL game between the Demons and the Blues. And the only place you could see the Matildas was, uh, as I said, in the concourse around the MCG. And there's been some great shots, as we've seen, of uh, people celebrating uh, the Matildas win there at MCG, just giving the, the AFL game maybe... Uh, not as much attention, and once the Matildas' uh, penalty win was secured, they headed back to their seats. Uh, half oh, an hour gone in the match between Sweden and Spain. The winner of this will go through to the World Cup final on Sunday, and it's still nil-nil after 60 minutes. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, I'm going to speak to a lady who is the captain of the Perth Glory A-League women's side. Uh, she's on her way. I've just spoken to her. She's about to catch an Uber and head to the airport, because she's going to Sydney. Uh, Tash Rigby is over the moon with what's happening, and she's played and knows a lot of the Matildas players and has spoken to them. We're going to have a chat next here on Sports Day WA. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Twenty-one past five. It is a Tuesday, and as I said, you can join us any time here on Sports Day WA on the Temper of Bedshed text machine zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. Where will you be watching the match uh, from around about six o'clock tomorrow night? I reckon a majority of our SEN Sports Day listeners will probably watch in the comfort of their own home. Am I correct? Or have you organised something? Uh, we wait to hear from you. Uh, Kia, the official part of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 and Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years are our sponsors. Joining us now is a lady who I believe I've got her in an Uber. She's on her way to Perth Airport. She's on her way to Sydney, like many are here in WA. There's quite a few that have booked uh, flights and somehow secured tickets, maybe from a while back when they knew they were going to go to Sydney, possibly for the semi-final, but they wouldn't have uh, thought in their wildest dreams that they'd probably see the Matildas uh, playing. Uh, Tash Rigby, the captain of the Perth Glory A-League women's side, joins us on the program. Tash, thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. How excited are you? And can you believe what's going down at the moment? I, I, I can't believe it, to be honest. Like, the, I was just saying, the amount of people and friends of mine that have never watched a football game in their life and are now absolutely obsessed with the Matildas is astounding and it's so amazing to see the nation get behind this incredible team. Why do you think that is so, Tash? Because I've had those experiences as well. Even my immediate family uh, have been now totally engrossed by these group of young women professionals. Why is this the case, do you think? Uh, they're just... I feel like it, they've been fighting for... Um, the, the right to be recognised for so long. They're such an incredibly lovable team with so many amazing characters and individuals with different stories and different backgrounds and journeys. And they are an incredible team that play all across the world at the moment. And I just, I just think they're such good role models for um, young boys and girls and all Australians. And to see and be able to live through their success throughout this World Cup has just been awesome to see how it's united everyone and brought everyone together. 
Saying that, uh, I think going into the World Cup, there would have been many that would have only known one player in the squad, Sam Kerr. Now I reckon that most people watching the progress of the Matildas would be able to name possibly the starting lineup for tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. Mackenzie Arnold would definitely be one that they'll be remembering after her incredible performance as well. Because she spent some time at the Perth Glory when you were there, correct? I wasn't there. She was actually there the year before me. But, yes, she was there and she was awesome for the team. Tell us about some of the players that you've got an affinity with that have spent some time where you've played at the Perth Glory. Because there has been a couple that have filtered through uh, the Perth Glory in their journey. Yeah, well, I know that uh, Caitlin Ford and Alana Kennedy, Maka and Avi Lewick as well have all played at Glory, of course, along with Sam. And I, yeah, was lucky enough to play with Sam for three, four years. And, yeah, it was incredible to be able to play alongside her because she is the phenomenal player that she is and an amazing leader in her own right as well. Are you surprised by the elevation and the style of football that the Matildas are playing? Because... It appears they fear no one. Yeah, they do. They're playing with their their hearts on their sleeves and they're just absolutely going for it. And just to see the the crowds and everyone that's tuning in, buying jerseys, doing everything that they can to support, I think they can feel the, the energy behind them and they're just going out there and giving it their absolute all every time. When you started playing women's football, what was it like, both at the national level and at the then known as the W League level? There are, we've seen vision of maybe 10, 15 years ago when the Matildas were playing in front of hundreds of people, not now, yeah. like tens of thousands. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this World Cup has been huge for that. I think it really kicked off at the Euros when we saw those massive crowds um, amassed for the the finals for the Euros, and that just seemed to have carried through to to the World Cup. And you're right, like, when I first started, there definitely wasn't the same following and recognition and promotion of the women's game like there is now. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's a credit to those leagues across the world, like the WSL, that are that are investing in their women, promoting their women and creating a really competitive league for players to thrive in and then bring that back to their home country. What do you think it'll be like when the Matildas come to Perth and HBF Park later in the year to play those Asian qualifiers? There's talk that the venue won't be big enough now. Yeah, I reckon it's going to be insane. If I'm fair, if, if I'm honest, I feel like it should be out of the stadium. Just because it's like it's once in a lifetime and after the success of the World Cup now, I reckon we wouldn't have any trouble filling up the stadium. What do you think it'll do for women's football going forward? What sort of legacy could this campaign deliver for women's football here in this country, do you think? Well, hopefully it trickles all the way down to the grassroots. It'll be amazing to see. I know we're expected to see thousands and thousands um, uptake the sport as we have in the host countries post-World Cup before this. So there will be an increase in participation, but we've got to make sure that we're ready for that and we're ready for that in terms of having enough uh, opportunities for girls, young girls and boys to play and the correct infrastructure and women in positions of influence and decision-making because we do need role models off the pitch as well as on. And, yeah, hopefully we can see more promotion and investment 
in the in the A League as well, the A League women's competition. That would be awesome. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. And we'll get back to that in just a moment. If you're a selector, if you were Tony Gustafsson, would you start Sam Kerr tomorrow night? Oh, absolutely. But I don't know. We just don't know what her calf is like. That's the thing. Like, I don't know if the medical team have cleared her for the for the full game, and then you have to think about extra time as well. But yeah, if it was me, I would start her. <laughs> what do you expect to witness tomorrow night? Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's a win. But honestly, what do you expect to witness at the Sydney Stadium, the Olympic Stadium tomorrow night? Oh, I think it's going to be absolutely buzzing if the, the past games are anything to go off. And I think it'll be an amazing, an amazing battle because, as we've seen, the Lionesses are very strong and they're very tactical and technical. Uh, and and they're going to be a really, really amazing matchup. And it'll be interesting because a lot of those Matildas have played against the Lionesses players as well because they've played together in the WSL. So I think it'll be a really good battle. So saying that, do you think they can go all the way? You know, heart, hand on your heart, do you think they could possibly take it off? A hundred percent. We've gotten this far, you've got to believe. <laughs> I, I think they, they have the characters, they have the will, the heart, and, like, of what we've seen so far, I have no doubt that they can go all the way. Fantastic. And just before we let you go, I see the Perth Glory today confirmed. New Zealand international striker Grace Jail has uh, joined the Liberty A-League squad for the brand new season. Do you know much about her? Yeah, yeah, I do. I've played against her. She played for Wellington Phoenix and Canberra United. And she is an amazing player. She's She's very strong, she's technical, and she's quite a direct and attacking player. So she'll be amazing for us uh, in our front line. I'm super excited to have her on board. So if Australia win tomorrow night, are you staying there for the World Cup final? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change my life. <laughs> I can't believe I've spoken to two or three people today. Just by chance, I've needed to speak to them. And two of them were on their way to the airport today to watch the game tomorrow night. I reckon there'll be quite a few people from Western Australia doing what you're doing at the moment, heading to Sydney for the game tomorrow. 100%. I took. I was very lucky. I took a chance when tickets came out and knew that there was a possibility that it could be England v Australia, and it's happened. So I'm so happy. Good stuff. Uh, enjoy the experience, Tash. We're very envious. Uh, and thanks for joining us on the program. And go the Matildas. And good luck for the new glory season as well. Thanks so much, Peter. Thanks so much. Uh, there you go. Uh, Tash Rigby joining us uh, at the back of the Uber uh, car as well on the way to the domestic airport. Um, <laughs> Speaking of the domestic airport, he's just landed at the Sydney domestic airport. We'll speak to Jamie Harnwell shortly, the uh, Football West CEO. And we're going to have a chat to him because he actually was involved as well as the Perth Glory W League coach. And he had a lot to do with Mackenzie Arnold, the goalkeeper, and a few others as well. Before we go to the break, a lot has been said about Ken Hinckley. And as we know, Ken Hinckley today, the Port Adelaide coach was given another two-year package to continue his work, and it's been good work at the Port Adelaide Power. This was David Koch, who was the, as we know, president, chairman of the Port Adelaide Football Club, when there was a lot of pressure on Hinckley, and he was questioned about his tenure back in March of this year. And this is what David Koch said then. We discussed it with Ken, and we don't want any distractions 
whatsoever during the year. We don't want every discussion and every radio interview or every press conference to to be about Kent's contract. So we've just taken it completely off the table and until August. And it allows uh, the team, uh, both the coaching staff and the playing staff, to concentrate on getting the wins and doing what they do best. And that's that's playing good footy. That's the disciplined way to do it. That's the professional way to do it. It is not giving a running commentary um, each week. So, you know, ask me in August and uh, uh, happy to talk about it then. Well, there you go. It is August uh, and they're a club that probably knows how to lay out a plan regarding their players and their coaches. And that was David Koch back in March saying, talk to me in August and I may give you some more information. Well, today, Ken Hinckley was granted a two-year extension as coach of the Port Adelaide Football Club. Uh, so, well done by David Kosh, a man of his word. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll come back with more here on Sports Day WA. It's all thanks to Kia, the official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Well, there you go. A goal in the semi-final. It's just been scored at uh, Eden Park in Auckland. Spain lead Sweden by one goal to nil. And that is after 80 minutes. Only 10 minutes of normal time remaining plus any time added on for stoppages. That's an update there for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. It's Spain 1, Sweden 0. Salma Celeste Anigorno of Spain has scored. She came on as a sub, and Anigorno has put Spain ahead, leading by one goal to nil against Sweden. So at the moment, Spain have got one foot in inside the World Cup final for Sunday, even though the goal has been adjudicated at... Has it been dismissed, has it? No, the goal has been uh, is counted. I'm just looking behind me where the monitors are. Uh, did go to VAR just to double-check, as they tend to do these days in all goals, and it was given the full clearance by the VAR panel. So it is Spain 1, Sweden nil. as he's just touched down in Sydney Airport. It's a Football West CEO, Jamie Harnwell. Jamie, thanks for your time. No, my pleasure, Peter. All happening in Auckland, uh, New Zealand at Eden Park. Spain, as I mentioned, look like they may have one foot in the World Cup final door on Sunday there at the Sydney Stadium, where you will be tomorrow night. Uh, and even though you're there in official capacity, I reckon the supporter and the fanatic inside Jamie Harmwell will be there for all to see. Oh, I think the fan has been in uh, in me for virtually every game I've been able to attend for this Women's World Cup. It's been uh, it's been incredible atmosphere, great football, uh, and just just a privilege to be able to go to some of these games and and hopefully see Matildas win tomorrow night. You wrote an article actually in the West Australian this morning the impact that this uh, tournament has had on so many. Can you just quickly give us a bit of a snapshot for those people that may not have caught the article in the West today? Yeah, well, I think the the Matildas have gone above and beyond what uh, any other 
women's sporting team, virtually any other sporting team, has Australian sporting team has done before, and and really put football uh, in front of people. Uh, the viewership, the the uh, numbers at the games have been huge, and we need to make sure that the uh, you know the investment to back that up is is justified, and that uh, the next generation of players and supporters. Uh, know that uh, the facilities and infrastructure are there for them uh, moving forward. So saying that, that is the most important thing. You know, Graham Arnold, uh, when uh, the Socceroos got through to the round of 16, was saying we need we need injection, we need uh, investment in the world game here in Australia. Do you think this hopefully may wake up a few of these parliamentarians? Oh, look, from uh, going off what's been going on record across uh, a number of different uh, politicians, I think we're in for, you know, a lot of uh, lot of good news in the coming weeks and months. But, you know, seriously, you know, it's not about necessarily the next Socceroos and Matildas. It's about the supporters, the fans and the players having an environment that they can feel comfortable in, that they want to play in, um, and that they, uh, you know, feel safe in, in participating in the World Game in. Well, you are certainly connected to women's football here in Australia. You were the coach of the Perth Glory women's side for about, I think, about three seasons. You also spent a season at Adelaide United as well. Uh, now, that was probably uh, probably seven, eight years ago when you were at Adelaide United coaching the women's side there. Did you ever foresee that something like this could happen? Oh, look, we, you always hoped and you always knew that the potential was there for for these players, this, this team, to really capture the sporting public's uh, imagination and attention. To see it happen, to see it in the flesh is incredible. Um, you know, again, we, we hoped and we knew that the tournament would be big, but uh, to see how big it has been is uh, just... It, uh, it pays tribute to all the work that has gone through over a long number of years to bring the games to, to what it is at this point in time. I think what's really uh, solidified a lot of people's belief is the undercurrent of support uh, for the game. Now, Spain are playing Sweden at Eden Park in Auckland tonight. They lead still by one goal to nil, the Sp- Spanish side. The Eden Park holds 50,000 and it's a sellout. So... I think, and there's a lot of Spanish people in the crowd, there's Swedish people in the crowd, and there's people that probably just bought tickets hoping to go to a semi-final regarding, regardless of what nation was there. Have you seen that? And you would have seen that with the games played here at HBF Park. Yeah, absolutely. There's partly, it's the event, and people want to be associated with big events, and you don't get much bigger than the, the Women's World Cup, but they also want to go and watch the football. They want to be part of the atmosphere, and to have uh, you know teams playing in Perth where realistically there's no direct connection, um, there's no Matildas, there was no England, no powerhouses necessarily of uh, of uh, women's football. Due respect to Canada, who who probably could just qualify for that, but uh, to see the attendances, to see the the noise that was generated throughout the ground, just showcases what football is all about and why it is so revered across the world. But you would have come across, as I have, of young females, middle-aged women, even elderly women that had no connection with the game. I'm talking about women because that's who I've experienced all of a sudden jumping on board and following this team. Yeah, it's certainly right. We've seen support come across uh, all aspects. I I think uh, probably for me even more surprising is is the young boys with, with Kerr on their back, with the dads with Kerr on their back, taking their daughters to the game, the investment. Um, from those people looking and no longer seeing a male or a female sporting person, they are seeing a football player um, and supporting them wholeheartedly. I had my, my boy's 13th birthday party on 
uh, Saturday and, and I had six or seven 13-year-old boys transfixed by what was happening on the screen for 30 or 40 minutes um, without care of, of what sex they were. So, And that, that's the real power of this Women's World Cup for me. Real drama uh, in Eden Park, Auckland. Sweden have just equalised, Jamie. Uh, Spain went ahead in the 80th minute and there's just been a goal for Sweden literally uh, probably five minutes after the Spanish went ahead. So we're looking at 1-1 and we could be heading into extra time. And it's a brilliant goal too, just having a look at the vision. A strike from basically just outside the penalty area going into the top right-hand corner. And the quality of the football's been good, hasn't it? Oh, it has. It's the best players in the world, the best teams in the world. I think there was some concern when the, the number of teams expanded as to whether that would affect the quality. But really, we've, we've seen very few blowouts. We've seen great competitive games, the likes of Haiti, uh, Morocco qualifying for the next uh, next round. It's It's been a, a real joy to see. And, and again, showcasing the, the best of what football can be. How do you think Australia can go tomorrow night? Uh, deep down, you know, hand on your heart, how do you think it'll play out against uh, a formidable opponent? England, as we know, are the Euro champions. Yeah, look, it's, it's a difficult game. Um, you know, England don't come in in the best of form, but it's a World Cup semi-final. They've got world-class players. They've been there, done that. Um, Australia have world-class players. This is their first time. There's a huge crowd, 75,000 people behind them. It is going to be an incredible match. Uh, I believe the Matildas can win. I know they can win, but they need to turn up and play very well tomorrow to beat a good England team. Guess what's happened? Spain have just scored, and they've just gone 2-1 up. So, Jamie, we've seen two goals in a minute. Uh, Amazing. 80th minute, Spain went up 1-0, and the... Swiss just equalised a short time ago. In fact, the Swedes just equalised a short time ago. Now Spain have just scored one in the 90th minute. It's just gone the 90th minute. Another great shot. Again, from the edge of the penalty area, a left foot shot that has just curled into the top right-hand corner. Quality goals, and it's now Spain 2, Sweden 1. So drama in Auckland. Uh, let's hope we don't have similar drama tomorrow night. Let's hope that the Matildas can get through uh, quite easily, not like the drama we had against France. What did you think of that epic uh, the other night? Oh, it was incredible. And, you know, people call football boring. It was a, a nil-nil game that had every single gamut of emotions that you would like to have. Um, it's never nice winning or losing. Well, it's nice winning a game on penalties. It's not nice losing a game on penalties, but... In terms of a game to capture the imagination of, of all of Australia, that was that was the one. Um, and you just hope that the Matildas have been able to put that to bed, have been able to refocus and concentrate on a very important game tomorrow night. Yeah, seven minutes of added time in this semi-final. Spain lead by two goals to one over Sweden. Jamie, I know you've got so much on, and we appreciate your time. You've just got off a plane. What about the legacy once it's over on Sunday? What do you think this will mean for the world's most popular game here in Australia? Well, it's in the it's in first and foremost it's in everyone's eyes now. It's being talked about at all levels of um, society, from from the kids all the way through to grandmas and granddads. It's being talked about by business, by government. It leaves that we know that participation has already spiked. We know it will continue to grow, um, and we need to assist our clubs to make sure they they manage that and they provide a great environment for these young girls and these women who want to come and play and and try our game. And, and we want to make sure, as I said earlier, that there's a there's infrastructure and facilities in place that supports them to do that. So they, 
they can play and, and learn to grow and, and love the game that, that I have for many, many years now. Good on you, Jamie. Enjoy tomorrow night. I think you'll be the envy of a lot of people listening into the program here this evening. Enjoy it. And, and I gather if the Matildas win tomorrow night, you might just hang around until Sunday. Uh, I might be attending the game on Sunday <laughs> night, I think. Uh, either way, I'm hoping to get myself over here for it. Good on you. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Have a good time. Yes, sir. Good on you. Harnwell, they're the CEO of Football West, joining us. Gee, that is a real drama-filled game. Unbelievable. For 80 minutes, it was nil-nil, and now we've scored, seen three goals in the matter of uh, less than 10 minutes. And Spain, as they're playing time added on for stoppages now, lead by two goals to one. Olga Camona has uh, put Spain in front. And as I mentioned, seven minutes of added time being played. We'll come back and give you the full-time scoreline in just a moment. But Elijah Hewitt, of course, won the Rising Star uh, nomination yesterday. And it's the third West Coast Eagles young player that's uh, got a nomination this year, which is terrific. Now, earlier today, he caught up with Dwayne Russell from SEN in Melbourne. Just had a, a brief chat. And I thought we'd just play a couple of minutes of that. Uh, congratulations to him. He spoke very well, actually. So from Dwayne's world, here's uh, Elijah Hewitt from the West Coast Eagles uh, talking to Dwayne Russell after, of course, winning the nomination for the uh, AFL Rising Star yesterday. It's been a tough year, um, and I think we can all acknowledge that. Um, we're out as a club um, as well. And, and I think we're trying to really focus on our process right now. Obviously, the last few weeks, um, you know, I guess the last few months have been quite tough uh, with injuries and everything Everything being said. But, yeah, as I said, we're chasing process and um, hopefully the next last two, last two rounds of the season we can, um, we can put together some good performances for our fans. So I think um, as you kind of get up to the ranks and, and then obviously when you start playing consistent football, it's now for me it's probably less about getting games. It's more about winning and obviously... Right now, that it's tough, but um, I think with some great some great players around me, um, you know, Luke Shuiz, who's just announced his retirement. I've been you know learning off these guys for the last few months. who are incredibly selfless players, and they've been you know great to the game and some of the greatest Eagles to ever live. Um, so yeah, to learn off these guys and see how they approach it amidst you know the the troubles they went through, kind of you know 2010 when they won the wooden spoon. To see how these guys all went about it and the the advice and everything's rubbing on and off. Um, on me and some of the other younger boys is um, is great. It is a new era about to dawn with you and Ruben Jimby and a few of the younger players coming through. And I mean, let's face it, uh, you've got a lot of young players who are really good. Oscar Allen's going to be a, a big star of the competition as well. So, and Nick Natanui retired as well this week. So there, there seems to be a stock of new West Coast Eagles we're going to see next year. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're somewhat right. Um, we... Yeah, we've got a big future ahead of ourselves and, and we're confident as a playing group and as a young group that um, it's all going to come together with the right leadership. And we're in the transition phase right now. You know, we want to respect all the players that, that, that are exiting, um, exiting the game and, and we love them and we're really close to them. Um, but we're also trying to, you know, put, keep putting our best foot forward and um, getting this leadership group intact and, and propel us into, into next season and have a great off-season and pre-season and set us up to play some great footy next year. Have you had much to do with Nick Natanui? I'm not sure what your locker setup is like in the West Coast Eagles rooms or how old style it is, but your locker's right next to Nick's. Has he been in much? Have you had much of a chat to him? Yeah, not, not as much as the other boys. Obviously, Nick's kind of on his own program most of the year. But he is next to him. We, we do get along quite well. We're both Swan Districts boys, so we, we got something to, um, to chat about. And, um, yeah, he's just a genuinely great guy. I'm sure we've had something to do with him. He's, um, 
he's a good guy and he's always offering the helping hand. Speaking of being a WA boy, were you pretty happy when you got your name called out by the West Coast Eagles because there were a few other teams that were after you? Yeah, I, I was in two phases where I went around the country. I just wanted to play full football. It's been my dream since I was a kid. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess to get drafted to the Eagles was incredible to stay home with the family and the friends. And looking hindsight now, it, it just worked out, you know, in, incredibly well. Um, but, but as I said, I, I wasn't too phased. I just wanted to play for football. But the way it worked out, just looking back, it's just incredible. Yeah, good on you, uh, Elijah. Your congratulations there with Dwayne Russell on uh, SEN in Melbourne a bit earlier today. Uh, and just before we wrap up for Polaris, plate clearance deals on now. Save $2,000 on the range of 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. Just repeating the uh, big story today. Five days after Trek Conchard uh, called it quits, uh, fellow triple uh, Richmond Premiership hero Jack Revolt has joined his teammate in retirement. 786 goals uh, and led the Tigers goal kicking in 11 of his 17 seasons. Uh, Terrific, the 34-year-old. He considered playing on next year after kicking 31 goals in an up-and-down season for Richmond, but then decided to give it away. Now, it's still Spain 2, Sweden 1. It is seven minutes of added time. It's a corner to Sweden. I won't be able to bring you the full-time result, but a corner for Sweden... In a drama-filled last 10 minutes or so, where three goals have been scored. In fact, it's not a corner for Sweden, Jimmy. It's a free kick for Spain. Go back to basketball, I'll tell you. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I'll be back again tomorrow in the perfect build-up to the match that gets underway. Six o'clock Western Standard Times at Matildas uh, against England. Some exciting stuff. Thanks for joining us today. And make sure you listen to the Matildas tomorrow night after Sports Day here on SEN.